0: Chapter Fourteen of White Rose of Weary Leaf by Violet Hunt. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Fourteen, to the vegetable kingdom, Amy, for educational purposes, conceded as much vitality as she did to animals. She was used to talk to Mister Dan's little girl of the hornbeam as a witch among trees, and the oak as the sorcerer. Squat, outspreading willows were early Victorian ladies. "'Ash-trees were nurses, jangling their keys, and very kind and motherly. "'All the trees now,' she was saying to Arina, as she held her at the window of the long corridor overlooking the garden, "'are getting ready for the winter, like your mother when she gets down fashion papers and settles her winter clothes. "'But the difference is that where we put on extra woolies, they prefer to strip.' look at that old aspen shaking its leaves hard for fear of being found still wearing them later on when trimmings are quite gone out of fashion it wants to be smart said the child falling into her humour like mother here she is please don't drop me amy amy always startled guiltily when mrs dan surprised her recommending herself to Arina, and tried to capture her good graces today however mrs dan's expression of peevishness had nothing whatever to do with amy's behaviour Erinna, a properly constituted child loved her mother best of course all she said now from a purely meddlesome point of view was amy you'll spoil your figure if you go lifting about a heavy child like that run to nursery. there's a darling mother wants to talk to amy about what said amy ferociously if it's dawes again i'll settle her "'That woman's time in the house is getting short.' "'It isn't about Dawes. It's about Dulce.' "'What about her? "'She and Mr. Dykinson were making ink devils together "'in her book in the breakfast room a few minutes ago.' "'Then you don't know?' "'Pleasure lighted up Mrs. Dan's face, "'for once she had succeeded in being beforehand with Amy "'in learning the newest news. "'Dulce is now crying her heart out.' Her father sent for her this morning to his study before he went out, and it's off. Her engagement, I mean. Poor girl, I am sorry for her. Well, but why is it off? Jeremy told her that she must make up her mind to let Dykinson go, and she collapsed. I had to go in and get the story out of Jeremy. It's something about settlements. The two men can't come to an understanding, it appears. Do you know, Amy, his real name is Dickinson, and he isn't such good family after all? And is that why Mr. Dand has broken it off? No, it's a question of money. Question of time, then, I suppose. Mr. Dand won't go spoiling his daughter's whole life. I don't know. Jeremy is difficult to move in some ways. Even I can do nothing with him if he is really determined not to give way. It doesn't often happen that he says no to me, but... "'Do you remember about those larches in the North Plantation that I wanted cut down?' "'He refused. "'Yes, but what about Dulce? "'What shall I do?' "'Talk to Dulce and persuade her to submit herself to her father's will.' Jaw exclaimed Amy rudely. "'I never heard anything so old-fashioned. "'Dulce was allowed to fall in love with him, "'and she will have to be allowed to marry him. "'You can't pull things up short like that. "'She'll go mad.' She will certainly be very much disappointed, though I don't know. Perhaps she has more sense. The Dans are very matter-of-fact. I've done what I could, I'm sure. I have talked to Jeremy till my head ached. He was, of course, perfectly nice and gentle to me. He hates to hurt me. But I am afraid he is quite inflexible. Poor Dulcie! I dare say she won't marry at all. She is so terribly plain that no man will take her without more money than Jeremy is prepared to give— how unattractive the first mrs dan must have been i am sure i hope there won't be all this difficulty about marrying erina ah she's your child said amy sidling out she sought william dyconson it surprised her that no one had thought of applying remonstrance or pressure to him he was packing all down the corridor adjoining his room on sight of Amy he paused, in the act of throwing a pair of trousers approximately near the portmanteau to which he destined it. He looked up. "'You have heard all about this row, I suppose,' he said savagely. "'You're the only person in this house with a head on your shoulders, except that wicked old hen they call Lady Medrow. "'Yes, Papa Dan's trying to do me, and I won't stand for it.' "'Shh!' said Amy, for the corridor had an issue and she didn't like to hear him called Papa Dand. "'Oh, don't come here hushing me,' he retorted angrily. "'No, nor you needn't go,' as she made a move. "'I'm only blowing off steam a bit. Stay there. Take a seat.' He pushed a chair out into the corridor for her. "'And I'll go on with my packing, if you don't mind. I am in a hurry to get out of this.' "'Will you tell me exactly what has passed?' inquired amy pursuing the object wherefore she had sought this unpleasant interview a fortnight ago he offered to give me fifty thousand with her and i took her at that and now he wants to back out of it that is i'm not to have it till he dies and he may live to any age sturdy beggar like that well i'm a plain man and i said i'll not take her a shilling under fifty thousand down and that's flat i never heard anything so cold-blooded and coarse coarse no just business we are both businessmen but look here now do you does anyone in their sober senses think that a man in his right mind would marry dulcie for herself alone why it's Tommy Rod on the face of it the face of her rather look at it he seized a large-sized photograph in a heavy silver frame and held it out to amy who shrugged and turned away He made as if to throw it down, pettishly, but Amy's eyes showed that this act she would not have borne, and so he laid the likeness of the poor girl down sheepishly on the table near his elbow. Could anyone love that? Oh, hush! You told her you did. You kissed her. Kissed her, by Jove, yes. I didn't say she was repulsive, did I? As a matter of fact, I rather like the girl. I don't dislike her at all. She's clean, and that— "'and a good straight figure. "'I dare say we should have got on all right. "'But she's not quite the girl, don't you know, "'to fight the world for. "'Wants a little jam, pink frills, and so on. "'Now you, Amy! "'I could imagine a man going sheer dotty about you. "'Let me say it. "'It don't hurt you. "'You have such good eyes. "'Wish you'd condescend to use them on me a bit. "'Then, I assure you, you could just do anything with me.' "'Well, I'll try,' said Amy, sitting down again. "'Look here. It's like this. Whatever you may feel about Dulce's looks, you have no right to take them into consideration now. She has never tried to make you think her prettier than she is.' "'No. Worse luck. I like a woman to make the best of herself. "'She's too straight to do that. She's not Lady Medrow's granddaughter, you know, but Mrs. Bowman's, and I prefer her style in the main. But now, Mr. Dykinson, it is between you and Dulce, style or no style.' you have got her wrought up she takes things very seriously you can't get out of it without making her suffer abominably in her pride as a prettier girl wouldn't and so i don't see what you can possibly do as a gentleman but go through with it and try to hit it off as well as you can with her father persuade him to stump up properly then he might be glad to do something handsome for the man who is willing to take his plain daughter off his hands you could manage it perhaps but then you could manage anything. Amy! Don't Amy me, but let us be serious. Look here. I would work it for you if I could, but it is no use bullying a man like that and hustling him. He must be left to time. He will look after you both all right when you are married, believe me. He will be even generous. He only hates binding himself. And he is pretty safe. He has got no son. How do I know he won't have one yet? No, it's no good. I clear out. The fair Dulce will get over it. She doesn't care for me. She only cares for a husband. It'll be a lesson to her to see that her dad treats the next man better. Extraordinary fellow, that father of hers. Screw-loose somewhere. An awful sharp customer. But mad, mad, sheer dotty. These old families, they are simply rotten. Why, my own aunt. Oh, yes, you are all as proud as punch of your congenital madnesses. However, Mr. Dickinson, if you ask me, I will tell you my idea, and that is that the sharp customer you speak of has made up his mind that you won't do for his daughter, are thoroughly undeserving and unsound, in fact, and he has taken the easiest way of choking you off. We will all look after Dulce and see that she gets over this little attack of love measles all right. Good-bye. She jumped up, gave the chair she had been sitting on an efficient push back into the room, a move which nonplussed his tentative caress, and sought Mr. Dand. "'That nice young fellow is a perfect beast now you've scratched him,' she said. "'I thought he was only a fool.' "'So you think I have done right?' "'It depends how Dulce takes it. I suppose it is of her welfare that you are thinking.' "'No, I can't attribute any better motive to my refusal to do a deal with Dykinson, except avarice, sheer honest, common avarice.' i don't like parting and i won't i am thinking about dulce she will be so unhappy then you think he is good enough for her no but then he is the man she wants for the moment but there was a man called millisette i didn't know you knew about him there was millisette and there is dyconson and there will be another I shall find a plain man who will marry my plain daughter for a reasonable figure. She cannot expect to be married for anything else. It is hard to have your fate depend on the turn of a check, ruminated Amy aloud. It's the way of the world. Well, good-bye. Don't hate me. I am off to the east to-morrow. End of chapter 14 Recorded by Lisa Reichert